Well, all right. Well, this morning, uh, we'd like to talk to you guys about worship and what it means to be a worshiper of God, okay? Now, uh, a lot of us, you know, we may think that, you know, worship is just an event. It's just a service. You know, you come here on Sunday mornings to Celebration Church, and that's just worship. And, well, obviously, worship is big enough to include that. It's bigger than just that. And also, uh, some may think that, Worship is just a style of music. It's when we sing and up here on the stage. And again, same thing. While worship is big enough to include that, it's bigger than that. And if you think that that's okay, I mean, me growing up, that's what I thought worship was. I thought worship was showing up here and singing. And, uh, you know, and I went to a church too that, you know, I I think we do something about like 20 minutes of songs up here, kind of, you know, worship uh, in the morning. And for us, it was like 20 minutes per song. You know, I mean, you sang the life out of those songs. Uh, I memorized lots of songs, uh, so I guess that's a good thing. But And, and I, I went to uh, a Christian school as well, and it was it was connected with that church. And so part of the school was we would have, you know, our little chapel times, and we'd come together, and we'd, we'd worship. And um, they were serious about it. I mean, they, they really, you know, you had to worship, and you had to do it like the right way, you know? Have you ever went to a church like that? Um, it's like you had to be you had to be singing, and while it's good to sing, I mean you had to sing the right way. You know, you couldn't just be like, you know, it is well. I mean, you had to, it is well. You know, you had to project. So that's how they knew you were worshiping. And, and when you got advanced, you would throw in some ad libs in there, or start to sing a harmony or something. Although most people that did that, I think what they thought harmony was was anything just other than the melody. Just as long as you're singing some note other than what's it's supposed to be saying, that's harmony. Uh, and so, you know, that's how you could tell. So you had to be do that. You had to be projecting. Okay. And the next thing was is you had to have some kind of physical movement in this deal, you know. So you'd, you'd, you, the, the classic kind of your base formation is the rock step, right? Rock, step, rock, step. And out of this, you can do several other things. But this is kind of your base foundation here, you know, and that's what we were taught. So you had to be doing this, you had to be moving. And then the next thing was you had to get your hands involved, right? If it's a fast song, you had to be clapping. If it was a slow song, you had to raise your hands, and that's, that's how you knew you were worshiping. Again, these are all good things, but they're very, you had to do it or the teacher was eyeballing you. And what we also learned that this wasn't okay, these hands here, because these are our flags, we were told. And you don't fly your flag at half mass unless someone has died, but our Lord has risen, right? So you gotta put those suckers up there. And it was here, you know, it is well. And that's when you were there, that was kind of your base formation. That's kind of what you did a lot of stuff out of. And that was just the worst. I mean, you do, we do that forever, but we, we started learning, our third, fourth grade, that um, if you made it look like, you know, you start going to some like advanced techniques. You know, that, that you could kind of get out of school. You know, if you pretended that, because they would. If they thought the spirit was moving on you, you'd leave you. You wouldn't have to go to classes. Uh, doesn't take long for kids to figure out, wait a sec, I do this and I don't have to go to class? Like, sweet deal, let's do this thing. And so you'd run into some, like, advanced techniques. Some guy just would crawl around and bark like a dog. Um, you'd have guys just get up and run circles and yell at the top of their lungs. Uh, again, not God at all, just trying to get a class. They have some people, you know, just dance around and, uh, you know, do things like this and kind of do like a little dance routine. Um, actually, I don't know. You guys, you guys want to see some, kind of some of the dance stuff? Oh. Yeah? All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have anything prepared. Uh, haven't really started. Actually, go ahead, play my track.
Not really sign language, but you had to pretend like you were doing it. Beauty that made his heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all to Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, kids, don't try that at home. I am a trained professional. I was classically trained for eight years. Sad part about that is I was classically trained for eight years. You can tell that all the money my parents invested in my dancing really paid off. Some beautiful things there. Have any ballerinas here? There were some actual ballet things in there, here and there, but anyone else need a fiver? <laughs> Need to cut back here. All right, sorry. So, worship. Ignore the heavy breathing for the next five minutes. Worship is big enough to include both events and the music, but it's much bigger than that. In, in some regard, worship is all of life, as every aspect of it, connected to God or disconnected from God. So we're going to hit a couple of uh, key things this morning on worship. The first part is, where does worship, worship originate? Well, according to the Bible, there's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal in every way. And uh, that community of God is perfect in love, in joy, in unity, and God has worship within his own essence. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit from eternity past through eternity future continually, unceasingly pour themselves out in love, in praise, in communication, and in joy. And see, God has perfect relationship, worship, adoration, joy, praise, communication with his own essence and nature, within his own self. And uh, see, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they're continually, unceasingly pouring out one to the other. And so God is a worshiper. God is a worshiping community of one. And so that being said, the fact that we're made in the image and likeness of God, that means in part we were made as worshipers. We were made worshiping. We were made to worship. And so we ceaselessly pour ourselves out. We give ourselves away, our heart, our mind, our money, our devotion. It goes somewhere to someone, to something. And everyone who has ever lived Everyone who ever does live, everyone who ever will live is a worshiper and we're chasing someone, we're pursuing something and that's the way that God made us and it's a good thing. All right, but because of our sin, our worship tends to be directed towards things other than towards God, towards people other than towards God and the result being that we continue to worship but we worship wrongly. And so the question is not will we worship but who and how do we worship? You know, and then you look at Jesus and the fact that God came to be man, that Jesus is God, that he substituted himself, that uh, on the cross where Jesus died in our place for our sins, that he was resurrected, 
And Jesus conquered our enemies of Satan, sin, and death. And how he gives us this reconciled relationship now with God that we might again participate in the love and the joy and the praise and the adoration that the Trinitarian God has within himself. And that we'd be invited into a relationship with that God to not just worship, but to worship rightly in a way that gives God glory and gives us joy. And those two are connected. You know, as Christians, when, when God gets the glory, we get joy. When God is worshipped and glorified, then we are satisfied. And that's what he made us to be and to do. So now that being said, let's go to the next question, which is what is worship? And we have to define this. And it's very important to define this. So um, I think one of the best examples is in, uh, in the Bible is Romans 12, verse 1. Uh, we can pop that up. And that says, uh, there, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So in there it says as, as a holy, and, it, and it's not holy and acceptable to you. It's not about being holy and acceptable to, to culture. Not holy and acceptable to someone or something else, but holy and acceptable to God. And one of the best things you can do when you go to make decisions is to simply ask this question, is this holy and acceptable to God? You know, because then it goes on to say there, a different translation, but it says this is our spiritual act of worship. Right, so we're going to put these together, you know. What is worship? Well, worship is glory and it's sacrifice. That's what worship is. So let me explain these two ideas. Glory, which means, it means weightiness, heaviness, you know, prominence, preeminence. Um, you know, whoever or whatever is in the position of glory in your life is that person or thing that centers your existence. It's the treasure that you cherish most deeply. It's where your passion, your longing, your yearning, your desires, your enthusiasm, it's where they reside. You know, who or what is in the position of glory? Well, it's the most important person or thing in your life. Um, and see, when that happens, uh, because we are finite beings, we're not like God who is infinite, just time and everything, you know, we're created beings, so we only have limited resources, we only have so much time, we only have so much money, we only have so much energy, and we can't drain ourselves of these resources unendingly, so we're going to have to make decisions. You know, we'll say, I won't do this so that I can do this, right? I, I... I won't give money or time or energy to these people or these causes or these activities, and instead I will make sacrifices for them so that I can worship, I can glory in, I can ascribe supreme value to someone or something else. And we make these kinds of decisions all the time, and they are worship decisions. You know, they show up in our day planner, they show up in our outlook calendar, they show up in our inbox, they show up in our budget. Our life is all about not doing something so that we can do things that we find to be more glorious. And see, what it says, it says that this is our spiritual act of worship. That someone or something is in glory, we sacrifice for the glory of that person or thing. And that is, by definition, worship. Now, that being said, this is a definition that works for Christians and non-Christians alike. It includes everyone. We all do this. You know, I can, I can give you some examples. Um, you know, Paul has an interesting line in the New Testament where he says that some people has as their stomach God, that God is their stomach, or he says their stomach is their God. Now you hear that and you go, that's crazy that God is your stomach. But you know, if you think about it, it can, it can make perfect sense. 
Um, you know, if your stomach's in the position of glory, okay, and you think about food all the time, and you eat food all the time, and you plan to eat more food later, and you always have within arm's reach a snack or a beverage, or like we have here at the church, a door full of candy, amen, uh, what you're saying is, you know, I glory in food, and I go to the fridge like a temple to worship, or I love going to Chinese buffets, and you know, you, you, you go there, and then, or, or, or maybe when you go to the grocery store, and you're pushing your cart down, and you're just going crazy, coveting food, and just like, I need some of that, that... I don't even know what that is, but it says it's crunchy, so I got to have it. And you throw it in, you put it in there, right? Now, what happens is, is if you glory in food, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. So what could you sacrifice? You could sacrifice your money, right? Because it can get really expensive. You could sacrifice health. You know, all of a sudden you got Gate Wayne. Or Gate Wayne. Say the one named Wayne. I'm going to talk about you. Weight gain. Some more of that Latin. Uh, ill health, uh, high blood, blood sugar levels. You know, you start to see all kinds of sicknesses happening, you know. But, but you'll say, you know, I'm going to sacrifice those things because my stomach is my God. And I glory in food. And for me, food is an act of worship, right? So your stomach is your God. And, and if your stomach's your God, I guess maybe one way you can tell, just look at your stomach. And say, how big is God? How big, is, yeah, how big was he last year? You can tell I've been worshiping a lot right there, uh, giving glory to my stomach. No. But then, you know, it, it can be other addictive things. You know, sometimes you can see it in um, things like, you know, like people who have problems with alcohol. You know, and they'll say, you know, I drink too much. You know, uh, I'm an alcoholic. Well, that's going to mean is that alcohol basically is in that position of glory for you, right? And, you know, so that when you're sad, you run to the bottle for consolation. When you're happy, you run to the bottle for celebration and whatever happens you go to the bottle you know when you're alone you drink to console yourself when life goes good you drink to celebrate with your friends and if that's the case well then what are you sacrificing for that then your health your job your money if you're married your marriage your relationships you know so sometimes when you see things in your life it's not necessarily just a food problem or this or that problem sometimes in that there's also a worship problem and we're giving something the glory, and we're sacrificing other things. And, you know, if you think about it, there's, you you can kind of see it all over the place. You know, an an example that uh, we hear, you know, fairly often here, you know, uh, at the church is it's not uncommon to have like a a guy come to me and say, you know, hey, Phil, I love the church and I I love worshiping with you guys and it's awesome of going there and they kind of find out about their, their life and then they're telling you, well, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I live with my girlfriend, but it's because, you know, she, she didn't have an apartment or her roommates were dorks, so she moved in with me. And, you know, are you sleeping with each other? Yeah, but, you know, in our eyes, we're married, you know, so we'll eventually make it right, you know, but, but, but for now, this, it's just the way it is. And it, it's all right, you know, but, you know, but we love, we love God. We love worshiping with you guys. So, you know, I, I think maybe you're making that girl God. No, 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 no. I, Jesus is God, not the girl. Yeah, but when it comes to this situation, you're not worshiping and giving the glory to Jesus. You're worshiping the girl. You know, because what is worship? Worship is glory and sacrifice. So when it comes to the girl, and you know, okay, I know Jesus says that we shouldn't be sleeping together before marriage, so you probably shouldn't be living with me. We look at those things, and instead of saying, Okay, Jesus, I'm going to give the glory to you. I'm going to cut this off. I need to stop this. Let's try and find another place for you to live. Let's, you know, let's, let's stop having sex. Let's get this thing right. You don't do that. You give the glory to the girl. You offer yourself as a living sacrifice to the girl. And you sacrifice Jesus. 
right? And so what you need to do is you need to give that glory to God. You need to make the sacrifice, and sacrifices are tough, hence the word sacrifice. It is not going to be easy. It's not going to maybe do what your emotions tell you you want to do. But at some point, to be really true worshipers of God, we've got to start understanding what it is that God wants for our life, right? Another example, it could be your job. And you could have a very demanding job. You've got to work hard at it. Obviously, you've got to do those things. But if you give that all the glory, you can sacrifice things like your family. You can sacrifice your marriage. You can sacrifice church, God, and everything else. Because glory goes to the job. Therefore, I will sacrifice the other things. You know, the crazy thing is, is with God, the way it works is when you give the glory to God, he blesses the thing that you, you had to sacrifice. You know, if it's your money and you give the glory to God in your money, he blesses the money. But it's not easy because it requires sacrifice and a lot of us have become so accustomed and are so used to just worshiping and giving the glory to other things that it's tough to see that and it, and it, and it really it does hurt us you know another thing is, is some people they give the they worship their kids so are, are we supposed to love our kids and give them everything absolutely but you know what you're also supposed to do you're supposed to teach your kids to love god you're supposed to teach your kids how to be a worshiper of God. And if what you do is everything you do by your actions and, and what you do, you know, where church is always second and scriptures are second and, and God always comes in second because you, we're all about you, we're all about you, all, all about you. What you're teaching that kid is that I worship something else, I don't worship God. You know? And you can still be involved in their lives and do lots of things. I mean, you know, we are very uh, creative family, as you can tell by my amazing dancing. Um, <laughs> My sister is a little bit better than I am. A little bit. No, but uh, we, we had dance classes all the time. I was in sports, doing sports all the time, music. You know, I had lots of hobbies, but never, never did my parents ever put those things above God. Those things were things that we would have to sacrifice if necessary for the glory of God. You know, and you can work things around with schedule and stuff like that. But I tell you what, I grew up realizing, you know, it was always, what was the thing my parents would always say? Oh, you don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. So I don't have to go? No, you're going to church. You don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. It was this thing. They were trying to... I don't know your crazy Jedi mind tricks here, Mom. Uh, But the thing that they were trying to get us to understand is you have the opportunity today to go and join with other believers and to lift your voice and to learn about God, to give Him worship on this day. You get to go to church. You get to worship. You know, and it took me a while to get that. <laughs> you know, but that's something that needs to happen. And when you do that and you teach your kids that, that is something that will stay with them and they can learn how to really be true worshipers of God. You know, there might be uh, some of you, it might be things like it might be your friends and your friendships and you've been coming to the church here for a while and, and, you, you want to get closer to God and this and that, but it's, it's tough because the only time you're anywhere within like spitting distance of Christians is when you come in here on, on a Sunday. You, know, you, you need to get new friends and it's going to cause you to sacrifice and it's a little painful, but you got to do it. I had to do it in my own life. I was 17 and I had to ditch the friends that were going the, the wrong direction and, and not in a mean, weird way, just explain to them and then I hang out with 
the kids in our church that loved God and they were like 14 and 15 years old <laughs> was not what I wanted to do at the time. But man, it, that, that poured into me. I, I didn't feel lacking because I was giving glory to God. And so what I want for us today is to sit and look at our lives and say, how is my worship? How am I worshiping God with my life, with my time, with my finances, you know, with, with my hospitality? You know, there's a lot of you in here who are good, solid Christians who, if you just realize what you had inside of you and shared it with others just by befriending them, opening your, 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 your home and letting people in, the, the impact you could make in your life just by being friends with them. But it's going to cost you something. You know, so, again, the question we need to ask is, how is our worship? How is it going? How is it going? And, you know, if you're, if you're not a Christian, what you need to do first is you need to confess your sins. You need to become a Christian. You need to start choosing to follow Jesus. And to start, you know, and just say, Jesus, I want to worship you. I want to start taking this first step to worship you. And then if, and if you are a Christian, but it's kind of been, you know, like Jesus plus, which for me, going through and studying this thing, I saw all kinds of things in my life, like, oh my goodness, I'm giving the glory to something else than God. It's okay. We just need to confess our sins. And when you say, God, we, we, we want to worship you. Help us to worship you. Help us to have the strength to make the sacrifices we need to so that we can give you the glory. Amen. If you would, let's bow our heads. I just want to pray. God, I thank you, first off, for the opportunity that uh, just to teach the Bible, to teach your word. And, and God, I confess, even in studying this, I'm convicted. That sin and idolatry and, you know, uh, an expectation in my own life, there's been things that have been unbiblical. You know, people in places that I run to for comfort that I should instead be seeking you. And, and God, I pray for the family here. God, I pray that uh, you would give them the courage to really name those things in their lives that they're giving the glory to. That's over you, God, and help us to break those things down, tear down those idols, and, and to start really worshiping you. And God, I, I thank you that we are worshipers. I thank you that through Jesus we could be worshipers of you. And so, God, we confess that there is no God who loves us, who serves us, who cares for us, who dies for us other than Jesus. And so, Lord Jesus, we come to worship you by the grace that you give through the power of the Holy Spirit, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Phil, for challenging us, challenging us with the, what our worship is all about. And I'm going to invite our ushers if they would come and as our worship team returns on stage again as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning. In a few moments, we, as a family, will be participating in an act of worship. When we hold in our hand a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ and a cup with wine or grape juice in it that represents the blood of Jesus. In a few moments, we'll be able to partake of it together as a family. Where we focus in on what Jesus did for us on the cross. When he gave his life. An act of worship. Celebration Church and each of us this morning being a, a community of people worshiping God. Being reminded this morning that worship goes far beyond just the time we spend on a Sunday morning gathering together like this. 
even as that scripture said that Pastor Phil mentioned from Romans, that I present my body, my life, all that I am as a living sacrifice, which is my act of worship. So yes, we worship here on a Sunday morning. We worship, but when we leave, we worship in every area in our life as well. As the psalmist said, come glorify the Lord with me. Put God in that rightful place, that rightful position in our hearts and our lives so that we can worship Him. Glorify Him. It takes that glory by putting God in that position, that place in your life. Let Him be on the throne of your life. Now many of you have done that. Many of you have taken that step and said, God, I, I've, I've placed you, I'm putting you, I've repented of my sin, I've confessed my sin, I've experienced that forgiveness of my sin. And you're on the throne of my life that I'm making a purposeful decision again to give you glory, to give you glory, to worship you. You're far, far more important than the many other things in life that sometimes we give our time, we give our effort, we give our focus on. But Lord, it needs to be on you. So this morning I'm going to, in just a moment, invite all of us to pray a very simple prayer. You see, I want to give you, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you've never taken the time to stop and and say, God, what about me? What am I worshiping? Do I only take a few minutes to go through the actions on a Sunday morning? But is my life a life of worship? What about me? Well, the place that it begins is when I take the time and experience the truth of God's word and apply that truth in terms of saying, God, I need you. I come to realize I am a sinner. I come to understand that I need forgiveness. Come to realize that I've, I've been on the throne of my life. I've been controlling my life. I've been managing my life. And I've made a kind of a mess of it. But Jesus says to us this morning, and he says to you this morning, he came and he died on the cross. He shed his blood. He suffered. He shed his blood. He paid the price for your sin and my sin. That I can actually come to the place of having my sins forgiven. And you know, from God's perspective, when he looks at you and me now, if we've accepted him into our life as our our Lord and our Savior, he looks at us through the blood of Jesus. And you know what he sees? Someone who has not sinned. Our sins have been washed away. So you may say this morning, Pastor Latham, that's what I want. I want to walk in that full assurance that I am a born-again believer. Well, this morning, I'm going to again invite all of us to pray a very simple prayer. And as you pray this prayer, if you're praying it this morning for the very first time, as you pray this prayer, it's the beginning. It's a step of faith. It's a, it's a, a start in that direction. of saying, God, I'm putting you in the rightful place. I'm giving you the glory. I'm responding to what the psalmist said. Come, glorify the Lord with me. So would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to invite you to just pray this simple prayer. And we're all going to pray it together. We want to just join with you and support you as you pray this prayer. If you're praying it this morning for the first time from your heart. We want to join with you in support this morning as you pray it. So would you just pray this prayer after me? Say, dear Lord Jesus. Something in my heart tells me I need you. 
I now confess my sin. And I repent of my sin. And by faith, ask you to come into my life as my Savior and as my Lord. I want to give you glory. I want to worship you. And I do that this morning. Amen.